Hello and welcome to Everyday Eternal number 115, your favorite, most deceptively named Biweekly Legacy Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by our brand new Patreon supporter, Scott Waterfield. If you want to support the running of the show directly, you can support us on patreon.com slash everydayeternal. The end of the year is here and we got everybody assembled, Avengers assembly. We got Callum, we got Madden, we got this guy called Julian. Guys, how's it doing? It's amazing that we got everybody in here again. Yeah, good evening, good evening. Um, the team together, as you said, it's pretty cool to like do a breakdown, catch up with uh, Matt, see what he's been up to, introduce him to what's been going on in Legacy, this this little format we talk about. And, <laughs> You've heard um, about it, right? <laughs> yeah, but just have a really cool catch up. It's going to be really fun. We've got some good things to talk about this episode as well. So yeah, how you been, Matt? Good. I think now I'm the old man of the podcast who basically barely <laughs> plays and just theory crafts. So I mean, Siege Rhino is still good, don't worry. Um, I'm actually trying to track down the original Art of Siege Rhino. I think I kind of have an idea who has it, but they don't want to give it up. So I'm kind of a little bit annoyed. But that's okay. Well, it depends on the price, right? Or, or are they like they don't, they don't want to let it go. They're unfortunately a very wealthy gentleman and they don't need the money. So I think I'm kind of fucked. Right, maybe you can provide some other kind of services. Like, I don't know that, that, that everybody wants something, right? Sex? But yeah, <laughs> I mean, I didn't mean... But, Dude, that's a very one-dimensional way of... Like, I was almost thinking about it when I said it, that people would interpret it that way. But, I mean, everybody wants something beyond money and sex. I need the goodies. Or you could spike their drink with lots of sugar so their teeth rot, and then you could be be the dentist. Ooh, the long game. Yes. You know, know, and then they go to the police, and they're like, no, seriously, like, this dude, this dentist, he spiked my drink, and he stole my painting of a famous rhino. (laughs) (laughs) So I so I'm thinking I'm I'm debating about um getting a repaint done because it seems like a lot of the original artists are doing that nowadays is basically you, yeah okay the originals in somebody's collection if you want kind of a reimagining or a re, you know pay x dollars I will basically repaint the thing for you but then it's like well why don't I just get a print at that point or is it worth getting a repaint I don't know I, 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 like the, I like the idea of that. A repaint sounds cool because it's still done by the artist. Like, yeah, it's not the best thing version you could have of it if you wanted it. But um, I could definitely see that meaning more to you owning it than just a print and stuff. Exactly. Cool. So I've got the original art to pulling teeth. So that one, ah. well, I mean, I had to have it. As soon as that came up, I was like, that's mine. Um, if it's not in a dentist's hands... I mean, that would just be a shame. I would love it if you if you had um, a Far Seasons alteration of Seed Run, you know, like in winter when it's like oh my God. snow and summer and everything. Dude, that's amazing. That would actually that's be That's a awesome. great idea. Or like the the elephants from the Lord of the Rings, right? Actually do a Lord of the Rings themed Seed Rhino. <laughs> cool. Oh, man. Yeah. Actually, if you, if you could also get those in uh, in paper. And, well, I guess that the hardest part of the, about that is actually finding a deck for you. But um, be, mm, before we talk about modern yeah. next here, um, Callum, is Sea Trainer playable anywhere? Um, no, <laughs> not even <laughs> not even Pioneer anymore. In Pioneer for a while, there was like a a, a Niv Mizzet deck that was just like all five colors, and you just play four Sea Rhinos and then loads of like Niv Mizzets and one offs and stuff. But um, even I that's mean, been pushed out. Obviously, the answer is a reprint of Siege Rhino with better mm-hmm. stats you know we need to upgrade it so instead of draining for three we need to drain for four instead yeah. of you know it needs to be a five six you know and a, certain, a mana less definitely just no i think i think four mana is still good it just needs to be like green green black white. i don't know i think i think going three mana so you can hit it off coco would make it good there you go yeah. okay well anyway <laughs> I mean, I mean, Matt, you know, right, that Sea Trainer was supposed to be three mana, and I think what's the unoffensive <laughs> of the foremost was supposed to be four mana, and then they switched it around. 
yeah they both oh. they both could have been four but yeah or something like that yeah yeah <laughs> i didn't know that <laughs> but yeah make... it, it wouldn't have been the same c trend it would have been like slightly weaker at three mana anyway <laughs> okay you julian what have say. you been up to tell me everything i i've been trying to fill my quota of like staying relevant quote unquote i will never forget that when mike's mike, mike danielson said that right julian wins barely enough tournaments to stay relevant as a podcast host <laughs> <laughs> wow. you've been doing it you've been doing a bunch this year what putting up results yeah it worked, yeah. worked worked reasonably well uh, mm-hmm. actually yeah it was quite good yeah <laughs> and yeah this this month um earliest month i played in the legacy showcase qualifier and i'm actually like i considered one of my greatest achievements they can I literally tell you what that is because after you've told me like for two years straight how, how all the systems work um i now know what this well actually i don't even know fully know how how it qualifies you for other tournaments but i know how to qualify for this thing i played in <laughs> and what's on the line and, and everything so yeah, I played that, and um, to to sum it up, this is basically a thing that happens, I think, three or four times a year. I think four times a year. Four times, yeah. Yeah, and everybody who top aided a showcase challenge in the previous three months um, gets invited to this, and I think there's also a couple of, like, uh, last-chance qualifiers where I think the winner um, also gets invited. So usually it's yeah. like a tournament between 24 and 28 people, so this time you had 24, and it's as you can imagine like it's pretty high stakes and it's also like pretty pretty tough like this is not the kind of tournament where you you run to somebody who's like oh yeah let me register my my i don't know modern deck for legacy (laughs) even though i hear that that's a thing lately and i played elves and the the list is gonna be the link in the show notes and apparently you can literally like cut anything from elves and still call it a deck because one of the biggest things, right, was when Newton cut um, Nettle Sentinel from the deck and just ran it, and uh, apparently it works. Now, the list I played here, I think I copied from somebody. Was it like Fluffy? I don't remember. Oh, man, I should know this. Fluffy21, I... he's he's a Swedish guy. He's won and done really well on a yeah, bunch yeah. of events. Yeah. I'm aware of Fluffy. I'm not sure whether it was actually Fluffy, but I, I basically like I took the idea of cutting Quarion Ranger from somebody who had recently done really well with it on, on a Magic Online Challenge. And that's what I did. So this list has heritage to it. It has... It doesn't even have Nettle Sentinel. Oh my god. What? <laughs> this list is all over the place. What the fuck? <laughs> this is the most bare-bones list of airs I've ever played. It's, it's okay, like mid-range so combo, right? This is straight-up mid-range combo, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. This, the, there's barely anything left with regards to Glimpse yeah. Gen except for like getting some value out of it. Because I have played more leagues and you do win... Like It feels like almost all your games you win with Alasaur or Shepard just activating and attacking. It's, it's, it's pretty absurd, right? You, you, <laughs> yeah. you end up cutting... F- basically eight of the core elves and even like another one heritage shoot i guess we also added ever reclaimer to that list mm-hmm. and and then you just like you play the mid-range game and i guess part of it is you also get to like play the fear of the opponent but something that happened to me quite often is also that i they would even side out heritage to it and basically maverick those games <laughs> if you know what i mean like I, I literally just like i have this three mana three oh, four yeah. i like that like it yeah yeah <laughs> i love it as well because the, the fear of elves is real right like so if you play a glimpse of nature a blue deck's going to be pretty hard force not to counter it, especially if you have some mana or you're representing something or, like, you know, a pretty typical trick is, like, play Glimpse and then play your Cradle and then, like, you know, play loads of elves and stuff. But this one, like, doesn't fully go off. It just presents a board while also reloading that's going to kill someone with a Shepherd, and then, like, they have to deal with it and then if they do, then you just kind of do it again. So, like, the Glimpses aren't, like, as lethal from these decks, but um, they can be as well. So it's... it's uh, yeah. It's a yes, hard something like, you can do is sometimes if you if you have like a crop rotation or two in the deck, then the glimpses can be surprisingly lethal because once mm-hmm. you run out of mana, you hit a crop rotation, you 
you guys trade it up and then you can often easily natural order or greens and send for behemoth but very often you know the games are won before you even have to do that yeah. so that's also why you get to side out heritage to it in these like more grindy matchups and i think i also did it against Starra because i basically i was pretty biased in this in this tournament it was like the top 24 players of the last quarter and I actually I put in work, you know, that's that's somewhat surprising mm-hmm. <laughs> with regards to like my ambitions for tournament magic lately. Uh, usually I just try to wing it. But for this one, I actually went in and predicted the meta game. And my prediction for the meta game was going to be shit ton of blue red diver. Well, uh, yeah, that, that was easy, right? No surprise. <laughs> wow. Well done, Julian. This is you come to every day tunnel for the hard hitting meta game analysis. Yeah, please subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> and yeah, the, the the second biggest thing I expected to be was blue uh, was black red reanimator. I I expected four black red reanimator players to be there. In the end, it was three. Uh, so I was like pretty close. Was this because you because of the players qualified and what they qualified with, or because you think reanimator is good? Or both actually. Yeah. But uh, I basically based most of my assumptions on what the players qualified with but most of the players who qualified with something also played something that was like heavily attributed to their name so i've qualified for one of these in the past like last year i think and i did a similar thing i made i think everyone does it made a spreadsheet with what they qualified with and then you scour their results and like see if they if they're known for playing other decks as well so you have like a backup rough idea of like what a secondary metagame could be kind of thing but um like for example, Canister qualifying, he he played Reanimator, and he's the kind of person to run it back if it's done well for him. I think so. You can make some pretty educated guesses. Yeah, it worked out pretty well. I think the only person who really blindsided me, but I didn't end up playing against them, was um, Extra Cloud, who played Red Green Lands right instead of Death Texas. And at, at least on Twitter, it sounded like he somewhat regretted it, like not fully, but I think he regretted it because he didn't do great. But I thought it was actually a pretty good <laughs> choice. Like, hey, I said I'd play Elves or Lands. Um, I'll, I'll back that up, even though he didn't do great. He said he played it partly because he thought it was good. Uh, he was testing with uh, Luanil, who's another great DNT player. I've shouted out a few times on here. And um, I think that the conclusion of, like, I think Lands can definitely beat Reanimator and Delver very, very handily. And if they predicted the same thing as you, I, I quite like it, honestly. Um, and he, I think he felt bad because, you know, DNT probably is very, very good into all the Delver as well. Um, and so he felt like maybe he could have done better with DNT. But at the end of the day, like, matchups even if they're 90 10 that 10 exists for a reason like sometimes you do lose good matchups so i i, th- I think lands going into that event is pretty it's a pretty good choice yeah something also to 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 factor into it is what are the other players gonna do about your deck because when i looked at it i think only one maybe two players would end up playing elves at most and there was also like very very little representation for death in texas so i figured okay maybe people wouldn't really target these decks too much and, and also because of the format of the tournament right we play five rounds of swiss and some players at x and two are actually gonna sneak in you can somewhat afford to even like completely throw one matchup if it's rare if you do well enough in the other three or four yeah and that's that's something in fact doesn't it for me as well like i felt pretty pretty good going into this not gonna lie yeah and no, then I, I immediately lost the first round <laughs> I was going to say, and not everyone's going to pack that specific elves hate that you're just like, oh shit, this is what I ran into. Like, unless unless you're unless you're someone like me who's like, I know I'm going to be facing Julian and I want to get that guy. You know. <laughs> main deck. Plug yeah, who's. main deck, uh, plague engineers, uh, sideboard parishes, you know, the full set of Grafdinger's <laughs> Cage, you know. Oh, yeah. You See, know? so looking at the event, though, I, yeah, 
I like both elves and DNT especially because they are they can both beat Delver obviously and they do. But this is the kind of event where if you're playing Blue Red Delver, I would be looking to like main deck two or three Pyroblasts. Honestly, it's or like Hydroblast even as well. Like Blue Red was going to be so so represented and everywhere. Like you're guaranteed to play it two times, maybe three. If you top eight three or four times, I think you gain a big edge by just main decking the Pyroblast and stuff. And you have it's all the insane. Like it's you, you make a really good point, right? If there's going to be so so much blue red Dharma and you, you can afford for your deck to be insanely inbred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> I think we saw some people playing one main deck Pyroblast, but I, I I don't know if it'd be good. It'd be a really interesting experiment if we could go back in time and just have one person play like three red blast, three blue blast, and see how they did basically without anyone yeah. else knowing about it. it- and this kind of event might be worth it. The thing is, like, you... Like, you do give up the other matchups. But you still have, like, all the cantrips um, and Dragon Rage channelers to kind of yeah. get rid of them if they're in your library, in your hand or library and stuff. <laughs> like, that, that reminds me of the thing that we actually discussed afterwards, uh, where I don't know if you were present in, in that chat, but we, we talked about, like, if I was allowed to play Legacy Elves at a standard Pro Tour, <laughs> would it, like, what, which odds would you give me to win the entire thing? In current standard... Yeah, I, I guess. Uh, I've got to say, like, 70. Which is, like, insane, right? If you consider, like, the size of Pro Tour. Yeah, I mean, like, it's kind of asking, like, I think you're going to be so, so, so favoured in every single matchup. It's like, how much do you fa- how much is variance a thing? How much are you going to get screwed by your own deck? I yeah, basically, I, I'd, you, I'd probably go higher with Elves. Like, I'd say, like, 90-something percent. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, so absurd, and it... it kind of reminded me of, of of that idea right if you if you just hope that you're not gonna face like or actually not to, to, to rephrase this so the reason i'm bringing this up is because it also sparked a secondary discussion and that is would the other players in the pro tour like make any kind of choice in the deck building differently knowing that there's gonna be one guy who has by far <laughs> the highest chances of winning the entire thing because they're playing a legacy deck in standard oh if they and, all know it then you're you're chance goes down a lot i reckon i don't think it would at all almost because for them like making any kind of those choices probably heavily decreases their their ev their expected value it does but i guess again this is where like there's another segment like which way do you go so yes it but for for the idea at hand it doesn't matter if some people's chances of winning goes down because it's essentially you versus everyone else so even if like one person's if everyone like the whole field apart from you they're their chance to win decreases because they made like choices to attack elves. You're still going to fight all these people t- till the final. But uh, yeah, but but that's what I'm saying, right? I think yeah. none of them, like if any of them, even like if they included one sideboard card that would be good against legacy elves. Like, actually, this is like the stupidest discussion because it's not going <laughs> to happen. But I, I'm, I'm just saying, like yeah. even if they included one sideboard card that was like a super dedicated card against elves, it would hurt all the other matchups combined so much that it wouldn't be worth it to them. Because they, they would like, the really so hurt bad. their chances of going like to yeah to to, yeah. to get like second place, top eight, top sixteen, yeah. whatever. That's Unless fair. like it's your, if it's your like your singular determination to win the entire thing, then you must do something about it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, then you probably have something in the main deck. But if, if it's just like money instead of glory, then I mean, yeah, I yeah. guess getting second place in a tournament where somebody gets <laughs> neutral order, you in th- turn three, so be yeah. It, right? I, mean, I, I mean, this is this is this is the thing, right? It's like if you go into a legacy tournament and you're like. I lose to High Tide. I can't beat High Tide. I hope nobody in this room of 200 players is playing High Tide, but if I go to the top eight and there's High Tide in there, I'm fucked. 
do yeah do you can you even allocate enough cards to make that matchup worth it or do you just want to fuck over that one person just like i want to do to you julian you know if i see elves and i know you know you know i, I guess that's the, the good question is do you gain the do you actually gain enough points to make it worth it or as you said are you just screwing over all your other matchups i don't know i guess it depends on the size of the room it right? reminds me of somebody by the way Losing, losing the finals of a big tournament to high tide. Who would yeah, that ever yeah, do? Yeah, this is this is a really Jesus interesting discussion, Christ. though, right? About how how much like percentage in which areas you're willing to sacrifice. Um, like for me, anecdotally, a really clear example of this is when I top eighted uh, the eternal weekend that we both did, Julian, with like Bant or four color stone blade and stuff. I, you know, at the beginning, the deck often had like. Uh, some main deck spell pierces, some discard and stuff, and I just got rid of that and I played more removal and I just played like the best fair game one I could, just th- just completely accepting that I'm losing to combo game one, and then my sideboard was 15 anti combo cards, so it's another example of like you know I I expected a lot of like uh, Grixis Delver and Shardless Bug and Miracles, so I tuned the deck to beat the beat them, and then if someone chooses to bring like a combo deck, I'll just sideboard into against them. So it's kind of like picking your spots, right? So at what point do you think a, a matchup that's like too, how prevalent is it, and how much do you think you can dedicate towards it? And by dedicating how many cards, how much do you make your other matchups worse? And it's it's just like the uh, I guess the golden standards of deck building, really. But it is interesting, like, you know, at what point does a, a matchup become so bad and play so little that you just completely ignore it and accept that you lose it no matter what? Yeah, and and I think for me, I play a lot of tutor-based decks, like either Green Sun Zenith or Enlightened Tutor, or like, so do I feel bad about playing, like, if I know the matchup is, we'll call it poor, I'm using air quotes here, but you can't see oh, that, that That's a very technical term. Go yeah, ahead. If, I feel, if I feel like the matchup is generally disfavorable, um, is it worth packing that one to two cards? And maybe it's worth packing the one card because maybe there's a tangential matchup where that card is also effective. But it's like, yeah, if I feel like ugh, I feel like I, I pretty much lose most of these matchups, maybe it's not even worth, worth allocating the couple of cards in a tutor-based deck. It's just like, you know what? I'll just shore up those other matchups. And if I face that matchup, that's that's the way of the gun, right? It's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. The, the way I usually picture it is you have a bunch of stones of different sizes sitting on your table and you only have so much fabric, I guess, to cover as many of the stones as possible. And some of the stones are going to be really big. That's like your really big metagame decks like Red Driver. They are going to require a little bit more of fabric. And then there's like smaller ones on the outside that you'd be like, you know, I have to stretch so far to cover these. I just let it go, you know, that... This stone, it's gonna fuck me if if it comes up, but otherwise I'm not gonna cover it. And that's basically how you, how you build your sideboard and how you build your deck. And that's in in my head how how, how these things work and, out. And and I think certain decks like you can't even you can't like you shouldn't even be sideboarding for like for example for Delver like Delver has to be part of your main deck construction because of the propensity of that deck to show up in a tournament. Like I I think if you don't have a good if your deck isn't at least thinking about Delver in the main deck like what kind of deck are you playing? Like I so 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 yeah so that basically just comes down to the basics of of deck building in Legacy. Like what do you expect to see? You know that goes somewhat goes back to what I said that I think whenever I look at a new format. Uh, I always think about which aggro slash tempo deck is defining the format. And and that's basically what you said, right? Your your main deck has to be playable against Delver in the first place. And I think that's why it is basically all the tempo decks that are telling us if you play, pay like four mana for something, it better be insane. And if you pay three mana for something, 
it's also like it probably doesn't have to win you the game right away but it's it's once you untap with it it's a pretty big deal and and that's a function of java wasteland and days being in the format and how quickly java kills you and that's exactly. also like why we we were able to play more four color tap out cards before java became a thing and yeah that's just like the economies of 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 mana that's that defines all of that and that's exactly and before it was goblin lackey right like you know the times change with testing like what can you handle but like turn one goblin lackey for a long time was can you deal with this card because if siege gang commander or uh war chief or whatever is the or ringleader sorry is the second card coming down off the uh off the lackey what are you exactly doing about that so i think now the test like you said is yeah turn one delver pass with days backup what is your plan going forward with that and i think if your answer is i'll wait till turn four to cast supreme verdict you might be in for a surprise (laughs) Supreme Verdict is my, my, one of my least favorite cards that people have played in Legacy ever. It's so bad. <laughs> the real answer is obviously Cavern uh, on Rhino Cedrone, but That's why you do it, right? <laughs> obviously. So yeah, to, to conclude this discussion um, <laughs> of truly going to the Pro Tour Legacy deck. Hey, I've played in a German National Standard Qualifier playing a Vintage deck, but the tournament organizer paid me for it. I guess I, I, ca- I can <laughs> disclose that now it's over 10 years ago. And oh, they just, they they literally just wanted my body. Mishra's workshop was amazing. They literally just wanted my body to put us above the, I think, 128 limit to qualify top 16 instead of top 8. It, it's, yeah. I, I just love doing, like, go, going turn one workshop, Trini Sphere, and then my opponent would be like, wait, I need to read that. And then they see the workshop and they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but then you realize you're playing standard and they didn't play anything till turn three anyway. Yeah, I, I basically, like, I scooped <laughs> them up, but some, some of them actually wanted to play, but yeah, I would, I would just, like, instantly scoop. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I ended up going to the top four of the showcase qualifier. I lost the first round to Delva. I won the second round against Delva. I lost the third round to Black Red Reanimator. Um, then I don't really have a recollection of what happened afterwards. I won the fourth round against... It says four color here, so I guess it's it's Anorak Pile. Is, is, can we call it Anorak Pile? People know what it's going to be, right? Yeah, like a uh, red band, I think people have said. Red band, yeah, that's a good yeah. way to put it. And then Rant. I had one of the... Yeah, <laughs> brands. <laughs> oh, God, dude. <laughs> and then I had, I had a really, really great match against Reed Duke on what turned out to be Grix's Tempo. I, I didn't really know how to label it because it was Ooh, basically Team like... Estonia. Team Estonia, I believe, was what we were calling that a while back. Wait, isn't Team Estonia like Esper? No, Team Estonia is red, black, uh, blue. That's what yeah, we're but, calling. But Grixis, Grixis. Grixis. No. Wait, Team Estonia is red, black, blue, but the the flag of Estonia is blue, white, black. Let's check. Hold on. Dude, mm-hmm. I know my flags. <laughs> Don't you ever question me about flags, man? Oh, you're totally right. Oh, then yeah, what, of course what we I call, am. What were we calling Grixis <laughs> before? Oh. I'm trying to Darn. think of a flag that's Grixis color, but I actually, I don't think there's any. At least not okay. on national level. Grixis colored flags. That's what I'm going to look up on Google right now. I mean, so- sometimes you can like count certain like ornaments uh, as being part of the color. But if you like, if you think like straight tricolor flags, I don't think there's any Grixis colored flag. Um. Hmm. Guys, forgive us. This is this, this is the last episode of the year. We are drifting somewhat off topic. <laughs> <laughs> no, Lower no, Saxony. T- 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 Lower topic. Saxony. Apparently, in Germany has. Are you uh... fucking kidding me? Lower Saxony. I know what Lower Saxony is. That's like a horse on on red background, if I re- recall correctly. I I'm I'm just Google searching here. I'm just saying that's what it says. That's yeah. what it says. Yeah. Fuck Google. They don't know anything. Let's go to what, what's it called? Duck, duck, go, Bing, whatever. 
You guys remember Alta Vista? But uh, yeah. Um, so I played against Street, and he played a really, really interesting deck in, in the sense that it was like kind of like Blue Red, but it was also mid rangey because it had black for Kodagan's Command, and it also played Bayful Strix. But on the other hand, it also played, you know, Wasteland, Days, Stragawan. So I didn't really know what to label it. Uh, what to label it. So I, I called it Grixis Tempo. It also played uh, Snuff Out, and. Seems cool. Snuff out's really, oh, really, baby. really good. Currently. Bringing out the old snuff outs. Like, Woo! there's just no black creatures being played. Basically, it's great. Yeah. Uh, what's the most playable creature on Legacy? Dust those puppies I, I guess off. Grizzlebrand and Arkanov. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Dalfi like, Voidwalker. Yeah. In kind our of. second game, we we had a really, really cool situation where I I went kind of like in a glimpse chain, and as we mentioned, right, I I can't really like draw my entire deck and, and do everything like you do with like regular apps. So here I I went to a glimpse chain that I knew was gonna end, but I also had enough mana to eventually crater with him. But I always had like too many tapped creatures because yeah, current ranger wasn't a deck anymore. Mm. <laughs> so I I was like trying constantly trying to calculate how can I get overkill how can i put the maximum number of damage on him because i've, I've had like there must be something because he, he 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 didn't have six also like the way he you know sometimes people don't have six because they hope that you're gonna try to play around something that's not there but the way he had played his previous turn made me think he must have something because he could have played it in a different way that would make it much harder for me to win on this turn. So I figured, okay, there, there's probably something in his hand because Reed is not stupid, right? He he wouldn't like play the previous turn that way if he didn't have anything. Well... <laughs> okay. I literally don't know him at all, so I just wanted to say that. you could have It could have been literally any person, and I would have said... Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, Matt, we, we got to bring you up to speed about, like, the greats of magic. I <laughs> <laughs> can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, I, I went for the for the of Behemoth, and turns out he had Snuff Out. And he actually, I think he snuffed out the Behemoth, and that actually, I'm pretty sure gave him another turn, but he couldn't really find what he needed to, and, yeah, he, he conceded, and... He blessed me. He said he was rooting for me to make top eight because I was at three and two, right? So I, I had to yeah. sneak in. I even I, won, I lost the first round, but given that this was just like five rounds of Swiss, uh, tiebreakers are a lot more swingy. So the losing the first round of Swiss doesn't powerful. really. Yeah, it was, and I, I actually I snuck in the top eight in eighth place. I didn't really expect it to work out. On the other hand, like tons of people I played against my top eight, so that that was a chance. Mm-hmm. And then I I got the rematch in the quarterfinals. I play against Black Red Reanimator again, um, the same guy who who managed to beat me in in the Swiss. And I, I lose the first game, I win the second game, and then the third game was like it was the ultimate cliffhanger. It, it was basically <laughs> like what what I don't know who, who's famous for putting cliffhangers in, in the movies. I don't know some Hollywood guy. <laughs> and, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I kept like a hand that was pretty bad i believe i, I can't give you like the, de- the rundown of the deals what it came down to was my opponent went for it they tried to reanimate was it arkan was a grizzle when basically something that would end the game immediately and the only thing i had oh yeah it wasn't the very first turn as well because the only thing i had was a once upon a time i can cast that for free i cast once upon a time in response to their reanimation oh spell God. And it's like a drum roll. And in my head, like, literally drums are rolling. And I look at the top six cards. Oh, my God. It's Endurance off the top. <laughs> it's Endurance off the top row, exactly. There we go. Oh, shit. Good it's Endurance of the plastic chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Slamming in. Glass everywhere. 
Yeah, yeah, they they weren't happy about that, understandably, and that carried me to to the semi-finals, where I faced another black red reanimator. You know, Callum, how how you told me that deck isn't playable? Did <laughs> I? Was, I was actually thinking, like, I was bringing it up like in, in one or two episodes, and and you always kept telling me like, yeah, you're not convinced, you're not convinced. Mm, I honestly <laughs> don't remember. You you could totally be right. <laughs> I need somebody remember. to back me up on this. Yeah, <laughs> maybe you were just like trolling me for the sake of trolling. <laughs> yeah, I think I've always. Mm, I can't. Remember. Yeah. So I was paired against Canister. Canister also like one of the most. I think he's like a top twenty money earner by now. He he won a ton of tournaments lately in in standard realm and and draft realm of Magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he, he probably yeah. like didn't he like go to the World Championship top eight or finals even? I don't remember. He, he also did really yeah. well at the Pro Tour equivalents. Like I, I'm not sure what they call it. Like set championships. He's this amazing mix of like he he plays all these formats like vintage and legacy and everything he plays every format he's known most from modern and like his his work on like lantern and stuff and kci but um he's also just like an incredible player and he yeah he's definitely top eight i think he won a pt or he came second uh the pt uh pioneer one uh, he's got loads of results you're probably right for worlds as well i can't remember now yeah. But yeah, and he, he played, um, as I expected, Black Red Reanimator, even though his deck leans a lot more, I think, on black. He he plays tons of discard. I think he... Actually, you know what? I can just literally yeah, so scroll down and look at the deck. His list is here. quite different to a lot. Like, so everyone just assumes there's four Chancellor of the Annex, but there's just one in here and three in the sideboard. And then he has four Archon of Cruelty as the biggest thing. Yeah, Do you know by heart what Archon of Cruelty does? Because I had to read it. Yeah. When ETBs or attacks, uh, your opponent discards a card, loses three life, and sacrifices a creature or planeswalker, and you gain three life and draw a card. So it's basically, like, technically it's a 6-6 six, six flying, but it behaves That's more like good. a 9-6 flying, right? Because the opponent also yeah. loses, yeah. It basically kills you in two swings most of the time. It's absolutely incredible in the deck. It was, the beginning, it was like kind of, you know, obviously it's just worse than Gristlebrand because you want to just get the Gristlebrand. But, like... Caracas is pretty real. Uh, people are still playing it. And then you, you play the Gristlebrand and you want a follow-up. And a lot of the time, the follow-up would be kind of chancellors and stuff. And so if you got turn one and you play Gristlebrand and then like a chancellor or two, fine, it usually wins. But Archon, like, I don't know, you draw a bunch of cards and then the Archon will keep coming back and stuff. Um, it's just really effective. Like it, it completely decimates your opponent's resources like with the, with the ETB discarding as well because he's also playing four Thoughtsies and four Unmask and then one Grief as well. So, I don't know. I, I've seen it kind of as a, a an end game against Delver. Like Delver, you know, if they double bolt it, they've also discarded a card at least. It's really tough to do that. The sacrificing creature is pretty relevant because sometimes you do like you know pay a lot of life for the Grizzle Brand, or sometimes you're just you know taking a few turns to set up and you're being attacked by some things. It just kind of like does all these little things that all come together and make it so worth it. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's I, a big I, I, I guess another tiny factor that doesn't really. Admit- like make the final decision on which creature you want to play but like at six mana it's surprisingly castable as well in a deck with dark retro it's eight mana um, is it eight it yeah is, ca- unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> otherwise holy shit i mean this is these like grave titan big grave titan but um what it, was it, i thinking oh yeah i had grave titan on mind i guess yeah probably but it's no it's just a phenomenal addition um i think everyone was unsure until they see how it plays and then it just plays great um canister was streaming the whole event and he played against Delver loads, and then like if one just got into play, it just cleaned up, and just the Delver yeah. couldn't beat it. Yeah. So this is where my journey ended. I I lost in the semifinals, which ended up being an insanely big deal, as I only learned later. But we we, we touch on that in a moment. The first game didn't really work out too well for me. The second game, I was almost feeling it. 
I was almost feeling it. Like, ah. I look back. Obviously, I made the right decision. I'm not. I'm not like, oh damn! I wish I had done it differently because it was the right decision. But I, I think at at my six, I shuffled away a hand that had, I think, double natural order and four lands. One of which was Pachuca Bog. And oh no, it must have been the first game because I was in the draw. So yeah, I, it was the first game, but I knew he was gonna be on black red reanimator, right? Because that's that's just like what he was gonna do. And I I looked at my six, and it was double natural order. I think two fetch lands, a uh, forest, and a uh, Pachuca bog. So I could send away one of the probably like one of the lands. Yeah, and... you just can't. You just can't keep that. You can't feel yeah. bad about it. And obviously, he went turn one favors looting. I guess. No, even worse. Like, I think he went turn one thoughtsies on himself, pass. Oh, fine. Yeah. And he like put a Grizzlebrand in the yard and he had literally nothing else. And I could have gone Pachuca Bog, take it out, and then, you know, land, land, fetch, try the um, natural order. You know, even that double natural order in case you had another discard spell. But yeah, I mean, obviously you don't keep that. And if you keep no. that, you lose more tournaments than you win. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's how <laughs> so you yeah, can I got wrecked in the yourself. first game. C- couldn't really get there in the second game. So I, I finished at top four, which, yeah. It was a great, up- great result still. Because I remember the week or two before, you were kind of very nonchalant about it. You were like, oh, maybe I'll play it, maybe I'll not. Uh, at least you were in, like talking to me a couple of times. But then you said you put in some work, I guess, the week leading up to it. Yeah, I, 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 um, this wasn't the very first tournament I played this like weird brew of like no no queer and range or no nettle sentinel. Uh, I think I played it before and I got like a bunch of four ones uh, with it. So I, w- I was pretty confident. And I think right before the tournament, I made it even more anti-diver. Uh, I, I could have done even more work with regards to reanimator. Um, like if you if you really want to go in, you probably like put in ley lines and stuff, but that's yeah. yeah I'm, I don't actually, I'm be actually like... surprised you didn't have ley lines. Just um, the thing is, I guess endurance is such an awesome crossover card for Delver, graveyard stuff and even uh, doomsday. So yeah, like true. when there's like two of those decks that I expect to feature heavily, and then I have such an amazing crossover card in endurance, that's gonna be a far off for sure. Mm-hmm. And then if I wanted to put something on top right, I guess I could have played two or three more um graveyard hate cards uh okay like, like i'm just looking about like at your sideboard like i don't know if like you could have maybe cut the force of vigor and the progenitors no progenitors no, progenitors, no. i don't really want to cut because it's like so just... important against lands and i was like oh, half, I that's like half the format where where natural auto progenitors is still basically i don't want to say your main plan but it's yeah. still game over is it, is it really half the format though that you can't beat like no the, no it's not it, can't beat but it's it's such a big but how many matchups increase. really? Like uh, lands and control can't beat it, but I think you beat control anyway. Well, lands still can beat it. Like <laughs> I've lost. Okay. Like yeah, it, it, it's not. A, it's not a like uh, one or zero thing where it's like oh they can't beat it and those they yeah, can yeah. beat it. Um, the the card that I'm looking at cutting right now is actually Thoughtseize. And looking back, I actually I didn't really think too much about cutting Thoughtseize because it's mm-hmm. still like pretty good against all those four color mid range decks. Like it's really good. It gets like force fulfilled almost all the time in the early game. Yeah. Which says something about how good it is. But I didn't really expect those decks to be that prominent. And it's not that great against Reanimator, especially like not against the current no, ones. They have so much redundancy. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, you know, I, I wouldn't have hated like cutting two more thought seasons for more graveyard hate. Or or like some kind of graveyard hate that's at least applicable in some other kind of way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's neither here nor there. I guess now that's the tournament's over. Um but, but yeah, that's I don't know, you you'd still have reclaimer and Bajuka Bog in the main deck and one Endurance in the main deck and three in the sideboard and Scavenger use. Uh, you do have a decent amount of Graveyard Hate. Like, re- Reanimator yeah. can just kill anyone anytime. Yeah. So. 
this is just like more thing in in, in the context of this specific tournament i yeah. i guess i could have gone harder on really made if i wanted and and like the the one thing to learn is that i didn't even think about cutting thoughtsies when i probably should have at least thought about it mm-hmm. that's, yeah that's it's very easy lesson. to get so accustomed so used to having something like that and i then... guess that's also like great why, why it's good to like review your games and stuff yeah <laughs> see how many times you cast it see how many times like the effect it had yeah. how many times you boarded it in etc yeah, yeah. So the finals end up being Canister on Black Red Reanimator against the person whom I actually predicted to win the entire tournament, in case I wouldn't win it, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Javier Dominguez on Blue Red Delva. And I think Canister took it in final. two quick games. Yeah, that was an insane final, yeah. right? If, if you consider this to, to be the legacy final of this quarter, like the two, well, Canister best. Yeah. Uh, it's, it is kind of funny because Canister hates legacy. He always sh- he chats shit about it so much uh, on his stream and on Twitter. And it's just funny that he won it as well. Oh, yeah. Is there anything specifically he says about Legacy that he hates, or is it just like more like a meme these days? I'm not gonna say the details because I can't remember them, and I won't like. I might just like misquote him or completely like you know, say the wrong point. But he, um, I don't know. He, I think he finds the cantrips. The I think he finds the cantrips too good and really boring, basically. <laughs> that's why we play black red really made up. yeah 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 <laughs> that's i think that's the, the gist of it again i don't want to be like don't quote me on that but i can respect that yeah <laughs> i can respect that so yeah in the finals um canister took it over javier uh both are already qualified for the next i think it's called self championship we, we just like we keep calling it proto because that's what people understand i guess <laughs> i think yeah we'll keep calling it pro- pts yeah like, let's let's yeah. keep calling it Pro Tours. Yeah. So they both were already qualified for the Pro Tour. And now Wizards did that thing where they were like, you know what? That's been nice. Let's invite the third place guy. And I think that's Binu. Do, do you know Binu's real name? Um, Because I don't. Uh, No. They okay. are... Yeah. They're either... I know this is like a very big difference between the two. They're either Italian or, or Asian. Japanese, I believe. Um, I think they're Japanese. But no, okay. I, don't know, I don't know their real name. Either way, so yeah, Wizards went ahead and they were like, you know what? We're going to invite you. You got third place. You lost the semifinals. And when you guys told me that in the morning, I, like, yeah. I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I almost wanted to throw up because I got fourth on basically like kind of... Tiniest tiebreaker? Yeah. It, it, you could say tiebreakers because like technically... Why not also invite you? Yeah, the thing is like, because I didn't get third place, right? Like if they invite me as well, there's a, that all of a sudden there's a second invite which is not supposed to be there. So mm. I, I totally like... I'm 100% backing up this decision of doing it that way. Also, they won one more match than I did um, even though that doesn't really matter for... Yeah. I, I guess it Th- matters that can, for third That can at least make you feel better. They went in at 4-1 and you went in at 3-2 yeah. in the top 8. It doesn't like necessarily make the most sense the way it went out because like I guess this way you have some reasoning. If they had come forth then they would feel especially bad. Yeah. Yeah, that, that one is probably right. That I could yeah. see. The thing is that the thing that made it whole for me again, where, where I could like feel better about it, um, like not with regards to being envious, but more like with regards to, oh my fucking God, I was this close, was that actually Andrea Mengucci pointed that out to me. I thought I had just missed out on over $5,000. But apparently I only missed out on uh, a minimum cash of 750 which is like still an insane amount of money, but it's it's not yeah. the life-changing amount of money. Like I initially thought it was 10000 no, so you because uh, you, you quali- so you qualified for the Pro Tour, but the winner the winner of this event essentially qualified for the Pro Tour and the the Mox Playoff Championship. That's the big money one, right? Yeah, that's the big money one. That's I think yeah. it's called the set. 
set, set championship. championship. Yeah, yeah, the set championship. And I think that's only going to be something like eight players and the minimum yeah. cash is 5,000. I even thought it was 10,000, but even 5,000 is insane. Yeah. And I thought that one had passed down to being you as well, but of course it no, didn't, no. right? Because Canister qualified for that. Yeah, so he, <laughs> so he was... I've never actually seen him that kind of emotional on stream. He like properly jumped up and down. He was super happy because, yeah, that tournament is... One, very hard to qualify for, and two, a lot of money on the line. So, Grizzle Brand getting it done. Gonna try next quarter. <laughs> what I do find annoying, and like, again, never to take anything away from the players, I'm really, really happy that they passed this down to be new, but they're so inconsistent with pass downs because they used to pass down invites like this, and then they kind of stopped. But maybe not for Pro Tours. So, I guess Pro Tours, maybe they have a set number of places they give out or something, but like, <clears throat> for the for the qualifying things for this, for the showcase challenges, they don't pass down invites anymore. They used to. So for example, Eli, who's Goblin Lackey won, he came ninth in the last showcase challenge and um, someone was already qualified and they didn't pass it down. So it's a bit of inconsistency there, but I guess give the, let the players take what they get. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, overall, like I, when I look back at this tournament, it was actually like really amazing. It was, I, I just like loved playing for high stakes, uh, yeah. even though like in this end, in, in this case, it ended up like not exactly working against me. I, I guess I could have benefited for, from a more flatter payout, or whatever. But yeah, that's that's just like how it works from the, with these high stakes yeah. things. And also, I, I generally think that like awesome high stakes stuff is really the future of Magic when it comes to like broadcasting and, and like getting people to actually like putting actual eyes on the game. Mm. Are you doing well at these? Is like <clears throat> encouraged me to or inspired me to play more next year i think because I, I played i played tons <laughs> how, of what is that supposed to mean <laughs> if you if he can do well then you know what i might have well a no I, I did okay the year before i i won one of the showcase challenges like julian did and then i came ninth in breakers in this event and it was so fun to play and this last year i've not been playing many challenges or many things online just because i've been like I guess it, it's weird being like you know stuck inside with Corona and stuff, but I guess the chances of going outside, I was always outside and doing things on the weekends when I could. So I've just been doing other things and being a bit more busy during the the weekends. But uh, next year, yeah, it's 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 really 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 fun playing and doing well at these events. So it's yeah, yeah. But I, I was going to say like I know that a lot of people aren't happy about the format, and I see what they are not happy about. And like depending on which decks I play. I'm also not happy about it. But playing elves right now, oh, dude, I, I don't know if this list is going to last, like the one that cuts Quarian Ranger, but this list really is heavily trimmed down on any kind of Q-Chit, right? The last Q-Chit, or I guess people would call it bad card, left in deck right now is Heritage Druid. If it stays like that, right? This is, this is, is, is it like the next revolution of Reclaim Elves now that we've also like removed anything that's, that, that's like Quarian Ranger? I, I think they already started doing that as yeah. well. This, I don't know, it feels like lean, powerful, I don't know. <laughs> I, want, I want to play that shit. Yeah, no, I've played some leagues recently with it and it did feel like, yeah, every card. Because before when I was playing the Nettle Sentinel build, I still do see like upsides to it and stuff. But um, I guess in like a combo heavy meta game, if you really want to play Elves, then you'd go that route, like less less grindy, less mid-rangey. But um, it did feel like, you know, Elvish Reclaimer was much more of a must answer than most of the, of the other elves. So you just, uh, you know, you fight the removal more, you play that, and then you play the, the 
whatever it's called, the Dinosaur Man, the Alastair <laughs> Shepherd. Yeah, the thing is, to, to me, it's not so much about um, whether Nether Sentinel is there or not. Like the the version I I played in a couple of leagues uh, right before the tournament, um, even had I think like two or three copies of Nether Sentinel. I think that's okay. one of the that that might have been the fluffy list. I'm not sure if it was fluffy that I started out with when I when I tested for the tournament. But it it's sh- uh, it shaved all the current rangers from the deck. That that's like the big thing. And I never really thought that would ever happen because Kirin Ranger is so insanely good at stabilizing your mana, but oh, dude, I, I like this. And it also didn't really feel like I was I was really using Reclaimer as much as I always think the Reclaimer version uses it. It's just yeah. like a one mana three four. And yeah. that's kind of a problem for most of the format. <laughs> oh, I did I did have a fun lethal in the league against Blue Red Delver. They had a um a lethal dragon next turn. So I was like, oh I'm dead on board. I'm gonna just attack with everything, see what happens. And they just blocked wrong and they let two reclaimers through, so I pumped the the um Allosaurus Shepherd. And oh shit, there's seven sevens. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, oh yeah, yeah, because they yeah. have the ability, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the opponent didn't realise that. Good one to keep oh, in mind, everyone. Uh they are seven sevens when you make them five fives. Yeah, here here goes our like quarterly tech. piece of tech <laughs> or information or yeah. education uh, yeah. provided by the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> but we've spoken so much about um, pro tours and what kind of tournaments there are uh, in the second half of the cast. We want to shine some light of some pretty big changes that came to Magic Online, but also Magic as a whole in the last week or two. And I think the first one I want to start out with is the thing that probably most people who play on Magic Online have heard about, and that is that Magic Online, all of it, including the current developers on it, is going to be outsourced to Daybreak Games. I'm, I'm not even sure if it's like just outsourced or whether they they basically acquired the rights, so I guess there's, there's some legal stuff in there. But from what we know, the, the company called Daybreak Games... They are taking over anything with regards to Magic Online. Like Magic Online is their product now. So I guess they, they, they took it over entirely. And they will run Magic Online from now. Have you heard about Daybreak Games before? Before they um, acquired Magic Online? I hadn't, but I'm not much of a gamer. He says, talking on a podcast about games. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't play a ton of other games, so I hadn't heard of them. Well, maybe like the name was slightly familiar, and then when you and a couple of others started talking about them and other things they've done, they did a Lord of the Rings game, I believe. And like the the breakdown I got from you and a few other friends was that they they kind of wear old games that aren't in their prime go to but not not for their death not to like you know be put away but they're apparently daybreaker actually very positively good at keeping old games you know running well and stuff so um i've seen some hearsay i've seen some things on reddit saying oh yeah this is where like you know an elephant graveyard where games go to die and stuff but i've also heard the absolute opposite so i think i'm i'm pretty I'm pretty looking forward to this. I think it's be positive. I mean, anybody can manage anything better than Wizards. <laughs> yeah. So, like, again, I haven't heard of Daybreak Games either, but, I again, could it be any worse? I don't think so. Um, even if it is where it goes to die, at least not changing anything and making it worse over time would be an improvement. So, um, I'm just shit-talking. I actually <laughs> haven't played much. Yeah, yeah. But, it's, uh, I actually quite like it these days. Like, It's kind of... It's a it's a woodman's kind of like you know pot of grease. It does what it says on the tin. It's it's not pretty. It's not fancy, but it it does grease. Is I guess good. we've actually had a lot more bugs the last year or two, which is a bit shit. Um, yeah, yeah. If they Think clear up the bugs, once you go into like the details, right? There, there's still like things to be to be fixed, and yeah. that doesn't go into into like the the non technical side. Like I, I guess the the, the 
economical side, especially with regards to Modern Horizons 2 and how they manage yeah. the, the accessibility of those cards is another problem. But it's with true. regards to the actual problem, um, I think the biggest thing, the biggest change for the positive was the introduction of player points and also yeah. having weekly challenges. That's, oh yeah, I love me, both of these. Yeah, that really put Magic Online on the side of, dude, I think this is a great thing. Even mm-hmm. though it looks like shit and it looks like a game I played in the 90s, it's still addicting, right? We, we still put so many hours in this. And I, I'm curious what Daybreak Games is going to do. Because like you, um, I, the first thing I read about them is like, oh, this is where old games go to die. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, mm-hmm. what, what, how, how long is this going to be around? But then w- once you like read deeper into these threads and you listen to, to feedback from people who play their games, they... They've done a really good job at like not only keeping certain games alive, but also like making them making them I don't know. You guys speak English. <laughs> Do well. Sorry, you could, sorry, I was just like yeah, throwing something in the Sorry. You can edit that bit out. Sorry, I missed the last 30 seconds. Yeah, that that that's fine. So so then but but then again, when you when you go into the threads, right, and and you listen to the people who who play some of the other games, you really get the idea that they are not only like good at keeping the games alive, but also making them making them. I'm still lacking the word. <laughs> Just hum. Is do you want to say the hum? Make them run. No, 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 no not only yeah. making them run, but basically to, to to making them become even better and even bigger yeah. than they used to under the previous developer. It does that feel like gives me a lot of hope. Magic Online, as you said, uh, the challenges and play points are a huge, huge deal. And again, like if there's some things to tweak out, uh, if they nail them, then it'll just continue to be successful and like you know make the money and stuff. But as you said, the economy, I think the the, the way of play points and tickets and everything, it works okay. Um, you know, like entry fees are not too much either. It's it's totally fine to play. Like you know, you want them to be good enough so that people can actually make money if they want to properly grind off it and stuff otherwise you're going to lose all those grinders that you spend money for all the prelims prelims are an area where they need to get better at because right now they need to find more things that you can spend qps on probably um or reintroduce like you know more uh, ptqs online or something that's something to sort out and as you said modern horizons prices are absurd so they really need to drive down prices i think because people are yeah with rental programs can't even play decks in modern and stuff so that's something to sort out and yeah just like you know get the challenges to, to fire um i think just having more people on the ball on it so for example the saturday challenges for legacy haven't fired in months but it's 64 minimum players they could just you know lower that to 32 and just be on the ball about it if um if they start to have loads of players again then yeah you could raise it again and just have people be like looking at things and attend attending and stuff so we'll yeah you see. know I- i'm even like thinking about this change and in, in a much more meta level uh thingy uh there's there's like these these changes structural changes to how events are ran and stuff but i'm even like wondering whether in the long run we're gonna see maybe a rework of the client maybe a rework of the entire economy to a subscription-based model like that's yeah. always something wizards wouldn't really do because you know you, you get into deep trouble with like the current players you get into deep trouble with like cardholder mana traders that, that that's just like something that would hurt a lot of people in some way on the other hand yeah would also benefit from it from more players coming in then it's like this weird trade-off i guess the ones that would really get hurt is like mana traders and cardholder and i i wonder now that this is outsourced to a completely different company wizards can be like you know what if there's gonna be any bad blood, it's between you and those guys, not between us and and those guys. Yeah, and this could be a like a you know long long con kind of fix to get that around. That's a good point. 
That's also um, like what, what I've always been wondering about the reserved list, by the way. If somebody else acquired the intellectual property Magic the Gathering, would they still be bound by a promise that's not inherently part of the IP, but a promise a different company had made? God, I've got no idea. <laughs> I mean, that, that doesn't even get into whether Wizards is bound by the reserved list in the first place. Which yeah, is probably yeah. like the much bigger, much more. But yeah, I, I've always been wondering like whether there's like this legal loophole. Uh, uh, assuming... Maybe it being a legal thing in the first place which i'm not sure about right but yeah 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 <laughs> yeah i guess so my point was like you know just starting off with the basics of magic online but it's we have no idea what they're gonna do um i like change i like new things as long as they don't end up too much worse so i'm excited about it um, so, a, little, yeah. a little apprehensive because there's a lot of things i like about magic online as well and you know i do spend a lot of time on it as does all of us but um i think it's gonna be for the better let's see you know what i wonder what would it take for somebody like Matt? Like, I think, Matt, you've always been, like, on and off whether you should get in Magic Online or not. I think you've asked me many times of the year what, what you should do to get into it. What would be something that would get you to, you know... I mean, you're pretty busy, right? You're, you're pretty busy slapping people in the face and, and, like, putting teeth and stuff. Oh, yeah. But what would it take for you to play Magic Online? Like, you know, one evening a week for, like, two hours, you grind, you see Trino decks, and then you call it a day. Like, what's currently keeping you from that? Is it, like, not accessible enough for you, or how does it work? Um, I think partially for me, some of it might be technological. Like, I guess I am not a super techie person. And for me... Perhaps the daunting task of downloading a new program and paying a bunch of money and not knowing how to use the client. I guess I would want a very stone stupid instructional video of how to magic online. Uh, and I'm sure that probably exists out there, but um, I would say that I am probably busier than most. So I wouldn't say that I'm the best person to uh, to say, hey, what's keeping you from, uh, you know, magic online? Because... Uh, I'm sure there's other things that I'm being kept from that I'm just so busy that I. Yeah, the thing is, you say that, or but just, on the other or hand, I don't, or I don't make the yeah, time for. Okay, you say that, but on the other hand, you are a person. Even though you don't get to play as much these days, your life is still like heavily intertwined with magic as a whole, right? You, you're a host on a legacy podcast. So, if if I was a company, I would think we probably want to do something to attract exactly that kind of person who's still like feels there are a magic player especially like an eternal player right and, and magic online for years now has been the place for eternal as, as opposed to like standard and, and draft which i guess yeah. goes more into, into other clients or the other clients uh, so as a company i would be you would be exactly the kind of person i would try to attract to magic online i mean there's others there's like the complete new completely new ones uh even though they would probably like more gravitate towards uh, arena but the this kind of person that plays magic but doesn't play online yet because they don't have enough time and they feel like the but there's a technical issue. I, I think I, I I I think another aspect could be philosophical as well. Like because I have spent so much of my life amassing a collection, it is a very odd thing to have to go and then buy digital cards. Like I think for me similar to how Sean O'Brien kind of feels about it, it's like these cards are have an arbitrary value while i mean we can talk about a greater whole about how all things have an arbitrary value but i guess it feels bad like i guess if all cards cost a dollar on magic online and i could build any deck i wanted and i hit every card for 500 bucks like sure 
that would be fine. But to invest in cards, digital cards that fluctuate in value feels a little bit worse than the physical mm-hmm. cards that I own. I guess if I could somehow, if there was a system for like, oh, I already have this physical collection, can I somehow port that to a yeah, digital? Yeah, that's never going to happen, right? Like, I know, but I'm just saying in theory that that would be something yeah. as well that's perhaps holding some people back because I know for me, it's perhaps some of it, not all of it. What, if, what if they change this into the subscription model like Julian said, though? So if you just paid $20, $30, $40 a month and I you could just do it. would be way too much, of... but yeah, yeah, you, you go Yeah, you go on. I'm sure it'd be more probably, but... Like, I think if... it, would, it would be like 20 would be the cutoff. I think it, really? if it was more, like 20, more than 20, then you wouldn't really get somebody like Matt. Let's call I mean, it 20. We... Matt, would you pay $20 a month to be able to play any, any cards online? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So I like at, at at $20 a month and I have access to any card and I don't have to like then sure, I think I'm okay paying for that subscription because I'm sure we all have Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever subscriptions, right? So for me, it would be a similar model in that I get access to any card that I want and I can play any deck I want. That might ease me into it instead of paying say $2,000 for a bunch of digital cards that maybe I play once a week or maybe I don't. It's like a gym membership. You know, it feels good to have the gym membership, but whether you go or not is kind of... Yeah, but it's having the option to, you, to right? do it when you want to do it, if you can afford but, it. But buying all that gym equipment and having all the space <laughs> yeah. and this, Jesus, <laughs> like not everyone can do that, right? So um, I I would definitely... I think if the model was I don't have to buy the cards, I can just almost like cockatrice or or what was the, what Magic, was the other... Magic, Workstation, Apprentice, there were a couple... Yeah, exactly. Like I would be like if there was a sort of like I could just build a deck on that and then be like, okay, let's go play twenty bucks yeah. a month. I think I'd sign up to. It's, it's, it's such a no brainer as well because Magic Online is making all the money from entry fees. They're not making like, I guess people do buy tickets from the store still, but it can't be more than what they get off a subscription model. The people making the money off it are the man traders and the card hoarders. Um, like yes, it'd be harsh to put them out of business and stuff, but. I don't know. It just feels yeah, like especially such since they sponsor me and everything I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like I always feel guilty when we bring up the co- the concept of a subscription yeah. model. <laughs> we are talking about a small indie company, Wizards of the Coast, here. So, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but um, I mean, considering the size, I'm honestly surprised it's not happened earlier. I had a collection a year, a couple of years ago. I had some cards on it, and I sold out, and thinking that this is going to happen eventually. And I even like Jarvis messaged me saying, um, "You just sold out. Why?" And I said, "Oh, I think that at some point." It's going to move to a subscription model, and obviously the price, the, the value of cards, is going to tank massively. So I just wanted to get out. And I like I th- how Travis has actually like hacked your computer, and he immediately knows when you're setting out. Like he's like <laughs> he's like the kind of guy that trims sense to like get you back. It's like, hey, come on, Callum, don't you want to like retain your membership? <laughs> you know. And, and- <laughs> And one thing, like, don't get me wrong, like, I wouldn't say that I am a fan of moving things to subscription-based models, personally, like, in general. I don't like that idea of being on on the hamster wheel forever, but, like, you, you do have to admit that if there are people who are deciding to pay for the convenience, right, um, then, you know, there there is something there. Like, obviously, people lease cars for a reason instead of owning old german cars that cost a lot of money <laughs> to fix all the time right so like there there are advantages and disadvantages i agree that the model that is currently in place feels a lot more like paper magic right i guess if you're buying the cards at a different price and they go up and they go down and you trade them and you know i i understand that model because i know that's what i get with paper but the question is do i want that in my online yeah and you do i want that in my online experience i don't know yeah. And you, you also touched on that, right? When when you mentioned that that, that that's stressful to keep up with like prices and stuff. And uh 
for me, I, I think I only own elves, and I might not even own Adosaurus Shepard. I get them from card order uh, every time I play it. And not having like any money tied up in Magic Online anymore, that's to me that I don't know. It feels great. Like I, I don't have to worry whether my endurances are gonna drop from whatever forty to twenty, or my Rogamans are just gonna be like twenty next month instead of hundred or, or whatever. And and basically taking all of the str- non gameplay related stress out of it. That's such a big thing right you take out the the stress of having to keep up with card prices you take out the stress of having to acquire the cards in the first place if you improve the client you also take out some stress that's still existing there even though they they did a pretty good job i guess with the client these days i think once you take out a lot of stress people will be very well that's part of the piece of like the peace of mind you get from having a subscription model right and i think that could be something very attractive i have no idea about daybreak daybreak games is going to go with this i think the very first announcement or like the very first change they're going to make to magic online whenever that is to come sometime next year i would guess is going to be that's really going to point us in the kind of direction they want to take the game to and to me that's in the first like i think the very first thing i I told you guys is this is just exciting to me exciting can be positive can be negative whatever it's going to be but it's exciting that there's there's something alive and there's something moving and i want to see what's what's going to happen yeah, I completely agree with that. It's exciting as well. Could be bad, could be good. Um, again, like as as you completely said, we have no idea. It's it's um, yeah, we just have to wait and see. It could be a it huge. Can totally out of nowhere as well, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm excited as well. It's a good way to put it. Cool. Something else we're excited about is um, after we've spoken so much about Magic Online, paper events might come back. I guess it's still like heavily dependent on COVID. Like for example, yeah. in, in Europe, we are not really talking about paper events these days nope. because the situation is like, at least like speaking for Germany, it's it's really bad. And I think for is it good? No, it's it's, it's <laughs> really bad. It's, oh. it's pretty bad here as well. Oh. Yeah, um, and January is going to be even worse. Like we kind of already know that it's going to be probably the worst month in the history of COVID in Germany. Mm. So yeah, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's sometimes I feel weird talking about paper wins when it's so bad here. I mean, everybody knows it's also not that great in the US, I guess. Um, but still, well, I mean, if we all wear our rebreathers and scuba suits, we can all show up with our own portable oxygen supplies. And are, are you going to make that work? <laughs> <laughs> Some people don't wear like little paper masks. I think they're not going to wear scuba suits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's more common. <laughs> But yeah, so Star City Games and NerdRage Gaming have announced their series um, for for 2022. Uh, I think the big differences uh, with regards to those two organizers, SEG, are going to be individual events, right? I think they're going to have an event in Philadelphia, Indianapolis, and Dallas. And there's no serious thing, right? There's no, oh, you accumulate points and then you qualify for a thing at the end of the season, whatever. These are just like independent events. They're going to be, I think, mostly 10Ks. There's going to be some 5Ks. Apparently, there's a 25K. Okay, that's team constructed. Makes sense because there's more players. Yeah. So uh, they, they made an actual comment in their article saying, like, we're not saying the tour will never come back, but right now everything's so in flux. They just don't want to commit to too much. But this is their this is their first step to, to think, bringing things back. So they're called SCG cons. So I think they're actually going to be, like, pretty similar to GPs, except they're going to have two main events, like one on the Saturday, one on the Sunday, which... For me, I would love to play in these. Like, I mean, just looking at the first one, January the eighth and ninth. Um, there's a legacy trial on Sunday. Oh, no, I, that, that, sorry to interrupt you. That, oh. that, that, that's the the Nerd Rage gaming series. Oh, whoops. Okay. Still, I've the Nerd Range um, events. Like, I've just loved spending a, like a, a lazy Sunday just at home watching Legacy. It feels like the old SCG tour. I love. Well, I think I think um, 
SCG doing that as well? Maybe I'm looking at the wrong things. Yeah. Sorry, so February February the 11th to the 13th, SCG Con in Philly is like modern 10K on Saturday and then Legacy 10K on Sunday. So we're going back to this nice, like, two different events. So if you're in more interested in one, you can you can watch just that one. So, like, the way they went to the, the um, SCG tour before, if there was, like, a limited or a standard open, I'd be a lot less interested in that. And so I just wouldn't watch it all weekend. But now... I can, you know, watch at least Sunday Legacy if if the Saturday is not very interesting. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm culturally, that, that's just like something about watching Legacy on a Sunday. That's like yeah. the comfort food of Magic. Completely. Comfort food, exactly. Like, I was so sad when it went away from the, the tour in the past. Like, it was just what, you, what I did. Like, you'd go out Friday or Saturday, you know, do your weekend stuff, and then come back, and then you've got Legacy on until, like, three in the morning, and then you, you <laughs> haven't slept much for work the next day. But yeah. it's comfort food is the exact way to put it. This is I'm very much looking forward to that. There's coverage. I really hope so. Oh, there is. Uh, <laughs> there better be because I'm I'm gonna Surprise. be honest. Surprise! <laughs> not not for the nerd rage for the SCG. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> nerd rage. The one the one and only Julian is commentating, I believe. Yeah, together with uh, Joe Lossett and awesome. Anorectas. So we're, we're, we're oh going to share the shift. Joe's coming back. But he's he's never gone away. About Joe in a long time. Uh, no, is he? Is he he's not? still been commentating. All the events. Oh yeah. shit! Well, tell Joe I said hi. I, I will. I will. Actually, I have a message from him on Facebook right now. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, Joe, I think he's transitioned much more into modern now. He's he's basically the modern man, and I I tune in as as the legacy guy, and we commentate together for Legacy Sundays. Oh, shit. And maybe you know, if I, if I can get a little bit more into Monday and into modern, maybe you no. Know, that there's a world where maybe I'm also going to commentate that, but we we will see about that. This this is this is exciting. This is really exciting. Like the first... that is really exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's seeing more paper. Tra- like, here's the thing. I think a lot of people do, like a lot of people started Magic because they want to play paper Magic, hang out with their friends, play with their cool cards, shuffle, etc. And like seeing more paper tournaments again makes me feel good. I was really disappointed when. Um, oh, that tournament in Missouri, the really expensive. Oh, the one hundred K, yeah. I was really upset when that got cancelled. I understand why, and it's all fine, but it's just like I was really excited to to go to that, so it's just like to see that there are more events coming up makes me feel good. The future is bright, hopefully. Yeah. So yeah, we are going to have um, links to all the different tournaments, um, because I, I guess there's no value in like announcing all of the seven different tournaments right now, but you, you will be able to see. I guess we can mention the locations. So for the Nordrage Gaming Series, the t- tournaments are going to be in Illinois, Wisconsin, another one in Illinois, and another one in Indiana. And for SCG, it's going to be in Philadelphia, Indianapolis, and Dallas. Yeah, and the events, there's the ones in Indianapolis, it says format to be announced as a team constructed 25k. The first one, though, in February in Philly is uh, Modern on Saturday and Legacy on Sunday. And then the one in Dallas is Modern on Saturday and Sunday. And the very first one that's going to come up is actually going to be the one that's in need of those tables. That's actually going to be January 7th and 8th. That's the Nerdrage Series Championship that Joe and I are going to commentate. And the format they are using is something that nobody has ever really done in Magic before. So it's going to be a best of five games, not of matches. Best of five games. Best of five matches would take like half a day, I guess. <laughs> best of five games. And both players bring their modern deck and their legacy deck. Now, the, for the very first game, the higher seeds pick. The higher seed picks the format. So let's say the higher seed picks modern wins. From there, the person who's behind in the series 
gets to pick the next from it. So if you, whenever you are down in the best of five zeros, you always get to pick the next thing. And then when there's a tie, um, you basically you take turns picking from it. So everybody gets to pick once when there's a tie. So it's really, really cool. Because this way, you know, you you have this additional level of, ooh, do I, do I want to play game one in Legacy or do I want to play game two in Modern? Because every time you play a format, after the first one, it's going to be sideboarded. So the second time you play Legacy in the series of this best of five games, it's going to be sideboarded in the third time as well. God, this is, this is so hard to explain without making... Like, I, I should do put this on YouTube, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got it. It sounds really cool. So if... Um... If you lost the match before, you're going to be choosing, basically. Or if you're behind in the series. Yeah, yeah. If it's, yeah. if it's tied, then it's whoever lost the last match, I guess. Sounds fine. Well, if it, like the first time it is tied, um, say at 1-1, then the, the higher seed gets to pick. And the second time it is tied at 2-2, I think the lower seed gets to pick. Or maybe it's the other okay. way around. But basically, you, you in a way, you take turns. Anyway, it sounds really cool. I like the idea. Like, I wonder if there's some like extra tactics to be like, you know start off with different formats so that you might you know get a win and a bad matchup to then like you know get the picking order different and stuff i don't know if there is anyway it seems really cool like you know it's going to be an extra step in thinking about your deck choices as well for this kind of form event yeah this this is going to be really really cool and this is basically going to be seventh and eighth of january and then on the ninth we're also going to have legacy that's going to be the five thousand dollar legacy trial and that's going to be the event for sunday and that's also going to be broadcast with me as a commentator like I'm, i keep talking about these things because it's it's just like so exciting to me to to kind of recreate that whole some feeling of like oh this dude it's going to be sunday i'm going to chill out i'm going to put this on my second screen and just like watch <laughs> like the storyline like 2012 all, it's like 2012 all over again yeah right? ideally right that's what we're aiming for and and i hope that's going to become a thing and i hope people are going to tune in and and, and it's gonna be great I, i'm really excited for this i can't lie <laughs> yeah same cool cool so yeah there's there's gonna be a lot of youtube nation in in paper tournaments at least in the us right now so for the third big change that doesn't really affect eternal but it's i feel it's one of the biggest changes in the history of of how wizards manages formats and and magic as a whole that i still want to bring it up and also i want to hear matt's thoughts on this because this when i say it's controversial usually people mean that it's very badly received but here i really mean it's controversial right i've seen people who think this is going to be great and i see the upsides and there's people who think this is going to be bad and i see the downsides and i just i want to hear what matt thinks about this and by this i mean the concept of alchemy and so well, so turning lead into gold. No, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what Wizards has been doing for quite a while, right? <laughs> no, but for those who don't know... Shit into gold. Alchemy is this new thing that it's both both a format, but also a concept. And to to break it down, I guess the easiest way to put it is Wizards from now on will be able to fix cards. To either, I guess, buff them even though people don't really talk about buffing, people mostly talk about nerfing. Yeah, like, I mean, I think that's interesting because for me, so I used to play, I don't know if you guys remember, there used to be a game, Star Wars Miniatures. Do you guys remember no. seeing that ever? Yeah. Like 15 years ago? Yeah. So like that, so so Wizards, I think Wizards also produced that. But anyway, um, when there would be like either a mistake or a balancing or whatever, I if I remember correctly, because it was already 15 years ago, they would actually errata the cards and say, nope, actually this is this ability on this guy no longer exists to like to to kind of balance and keep things rolling. So 
I think that's really interesting because we always theory craft and we say, oh man, but what if Death Ray Chalmers was actually a zero one? Like, would, would that actually improve the situation? Would that really change? So I think that's a really interesting concept because obviously in paper, you have to print the cards, there's lead time, there's development, etc. So that's really tough and there's no way to... Like, you can't do, like, a recall like you can, like, with a car, right? Like, oh, we have a problem, we're going to recall, come back to the dealership. <laughs> sent back right? your Ocos. <laughs> right? Um, you know, so there's no so there's no real mechanism for that. So, um, at least in the physical card sense, it's not like everybody who has Death Rite Shamans come in and get your new and improved Death Rite Shaman, which is now a zero one. Um, so I think fundamentally this is really interesting because this is something we've always theorycrafted, right? So to put this into into actual practice is really interesting. I I don't really know how it's going to go because typically Wizards is bad at managing anything, so therefore managing the format at a microscopic level well, that, seems like it could be a, the thing is, um, seems like it could be a total fuck up. Sorry, the, the thing is um that they never really had a chance, right, to do these microscopic changes to to, you know, fix something that might maybe slipped through because we never really did power level errata, right? I think that's been a thing for like over 20 years that Wizards was like, no, we only do like functional errata if the card otherwise isn't, isn't yeah. working. But we, we don't like buff cards. And now I think the, the, the thing that I we still need to add to those who don't know is alchemy is only going to be a thing on arena. This is not something that's going to affect your paper cards. This is not something that's going to affect your magic online cards. Alchemy is a format that basically exists parallel to standard, the way I understand it. So there's going to be standard, and there's going to be alchemy standard. And standard is the one that's basically cards are played as printed or as, as designed, whereas alchemy standard is the one where cards get fixed, where, where there's going to be cosmetic, not, not cosmetic, like minimal changes to, to cards. And I think there's also going to be extra cards introduced. I think they had a, a set called Alchemy Innistrad, uh, which contains cards that only exist for alchemy, and not for normal standard. So it's it's really like Wizards' fixed version of standard that's going to exist parallel to regular standard. And I think something that's going to be interesting is which one is going to be more more popular. I think that's, that's one of the easiest ways to, to kind of get a grip on whether players are going to like it or not. Yeah, I'm, it's it's almost like the, the, the future of Magic Online is like, it's... It's exciting. It could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. I think this is really, really new ground, and I'm excited and I'm happy that they're trying things out. I think it's cool to see this. Um, it could end up badly, but at least they're trying different things. Um, you know, as we've seen in the last couple of years, balancing from R and D hasn't been at its best, to put it politely. <laughs> uh, we've we've had Oko go through standard, and uh, yeah, they've they've like you know changed things. So I believe Oko in this new set is like comes with like one less loyalty and it's minus two rather than plus one to st- do stuff <laughs> which is like such an insane change right yeah it's, it's mental <laughs> yeah um and like omnath is five mana and stuff and all of these balance changes look great and it's like god if these cards came out like this it'd be awesome and so the truth is um magic the gathering is partly a, a game but partly a collectible card game as well and so they just don't have the flexibility of you know doing all these um restructuring and buffs and uh balancing and stuff like games like hearthstone can do or like matt said his uh the star wars miniatures game it's the same thing in warhammer where because the miniatures don't actually have the rules written on them you can change things so we have like balance updates every three to six months now so um it's cool i i, I hope to experiment with it more um one thing to see is like i agree that it's gonna the big test is gonna be see how popular it is they 
the um, arena economy is disgustingly predatory. It's it's so so bad. You can't even dust anything. So every all the money you pour in is just like there. It's on the the on the client, and you can't do anything about it. And then once you bought the cards, that's it. And so when people when they've introduced these new cards that are balanced, so then these other people have spent all their money to buy like a a standard deck or a historic deck and then they've just changed the cards and then they can't get anything back either so and then you have to keep you know getting new things to like keep up with the thing and it's just very expensive so i think just plowing in more and more new cards for people to buy is um we're going to start to see people turn away from it so if they can fix the economy then we can see if it's actually popular or not but i believe we're going to see it like not be popular just based off how it's been introduced but otherwise you know, I'm all for it. I've, I've actually been watching a few streamers that I that I enjoy anyway, just playing Alchemy, seeing how these new cards interact and stuff, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, if I had to guess, I would think that basically the the Alchemy version of Standard is probably going to become the most dominant one mm-hmm. because that's probably just like where people are gonna. Uh, it's just yeah. like a gut feeling, right? I, I, don't, I, think I don't. Yeah, be... I don't even know what they do with Standard now. It just feels completely dead. Like no one plays it in paper. No one has yeah. any interest in it. Like yeah. yeah. When you think about it, like the entire problem of this is like, once again, economy based because mm-hmm. people, they feel like we spend so much money on cards and all of a sudden they are worse. Now, this is like if somebody told told Matt that this Porsche all of a sudden can only drive like 120 kilometers an hour or something, <laughs> you know, because we decided this. Well, exactly. <laughs> right. And, and But once you start thinking about, okay, they changed standard so people would be pissed about having spent money and now the card is unplayable maybe even. Mm. But Wizards fixes but, this by keeping the old standard around. So this, to me, this is not like, oh, we have standard and now we introduce this other thing that people can play. But it's like we changed standard and now we technically still have this extra option. So yeah. you, we don't that, have to like refund you or whatever. That feels like the back door though, because people are like mostly playing um, historic online. And so, and that's a big problem. Their that's historic the cards get changed because of standard, and they're just like, what the hell? So. Like the way Hearthstone fixes this is when a card gets changed, you can dust it, which means you can like sell it for. I, I haven't played it for a long time. Someone's going to shout at me and think I'm an idiot, but it's like a third of the cost or something, or a quarter, uh, something close to that. But like that's that's a way to do it. Like if you if you used your wild cards, you used four wild cards to buy, um, you know, four uncommons, and then you really want to like you know change one deck into another. At least you could convert them into something. But currently they're just stuck there. And so some people have definitely like you know bought into a historic deck because of some cards. Then they've they've changed, and it's not like that one card has been changed, so they should be allowed to change it. They've bought a whole deck to play that card. So it's it's pretty significant changes, and so I think keeping the normal standard around and using that as an excuse to say, oh no, but now you have both the options, it doesn't really fly. Yeah. If the cards are going to be changed in historic as well, you'd have to have like too many different versions, and then it gets all pretty messy, really. Yeah. And I think another option is if we're talking about the subscription-based model, then it doesn't feel as bad because if you're just subscribing twenty bucks a month or whatever, then change as many cards as you want. You, you you haven't lost any investment, right? Yeah. yeah. The good, the thing with like with Magic Online is you were, you were decrying saying like you know, earlier you don't want to put in five hundred dollars to buy a deck, and the thing with Magic Online is you can sell the cards back again. Like you know so maybe they'll lose some money, you'll lose some money on the transactions, but like you're essentially renting them in a way. But Arena, they're just there. You can't sell them. They're just done. I think someone worked out it was it was um, Pleasant Kenobi on a very like you know shouty clickbaity uh, video, but. He spent like a thousand dollars and just about had enough to buy like everything in standard, 
and then the money's just there it's done like there are a lot of people that do want to play all the things yeah. and stuff in, in our, like like you put it right in a way it's still subscription based it's just like you pay a thousand dollars a season of standard <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's absurd it's but yeah arena yeah. is absurdly expensive so but, yeah i i only have bad things to say about arena currently because of their economy but alchemy uh, on its own is exciting as well i think it's cool i don't think we're going to see it like creep over into the paper side that's like the biggest worry from people i think that's just like a kind of a zone that they won't touch and they are making enough money on arena that that's going to be their focus and they're like you know yeah what they do with paper is going to be a different thing in the future but yeah yeah it it, it feels sad to say but i'm just like i'm relieved i'm not really involved with arena yeah uh, I've I've understood it a few months ago. The concept of alchemy is exciting to me. And if it ends up burning people, it's gonna be Yeah, it, it, it's gonna sound make me sound like an ass, right? I, I want this experiment to happen, but if it ends up being like failing, it's not gonna cause problems yeah. for me, but it's surely gonna cause problems for other people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thing is, like it's just this this level where how much can you take the piss out of your clients? And they are reaching a point where it's just like, you know, they're not cash cows forever. You can only, like, you know, get milk out of them for so long. And I think this is starting to reach a point where the cow's going to kick back. But we'll see. <laughs> That's a great way to close the episode. <laughs> we'll see whether 2022 is going to be here where the cow the will start back. kicking back. <laughs> will it yield milk? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Will Arena yield milk? What actually happens to a cow once it runs out of milk? It's just like, there's nothing coming out? Uh, it's slaughtered usually. No, it has a nice, happy life. That's what you do? Okay. <laughs> so I hope everybody listening to the cast, you are going to have a nice, happy life for the rest of 2021 and definitely in 2022. Matt, Callum, how, do you have any like great plans for 2022? I want to see more of the world again. I hope so. I'm going skiing in March as long as everything's okay. I would love to. I'm My band is touring America in June. To, um, and then, yeah, hopefully more things like that as well. So... Just fingers tightly crossed that this stupid COVID thing doesn't carry on for too long. Awesome. And Matt, I think you, you told us you want to move to, I think you called it the Texas of Canada. Yeah. So the military may decide to move us or we may go there ourselves or who knows? As everyone knows, Vancouver is very expensive and yeah, who knows? We'll see what happens. <laughs> awesome. So um, quick peek. uh quick sneak peek for the next episode we are actually gonna have i think it's we were supposed to have the queen on the next episode at least that's what our discord guest when i said <laughs> yeah. that we're gonna have somebody who so, so for reference i said the next guest on our next episode is one of my favorite people ever and obviously everyone gets the queen because i'm english i mean how couldn't you so <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like that's the obvious answer right yeah so we we, we try to get the queen uh, on the next podcast not sure if it's gonna work out she but might if it's she not... might swing by my flat so we'll see Oh, yeah, as she does. Yeah. <laughs> very often. Cool, cool, cool. So, yeah, we're going to have a very special guest for the next episode. Next episode's um, going to come out uh, sometime mid-early January, and it's going to be dedicated to providing an intro to Modern, because we've heard so many great things about Modern, especially I have heard so many great things about Modern. And we, we ask you on our Discord. A lot of people were very interested in that, and we will start 
like actually no we, we were not like start all wrong modern <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, yeah I, I didn't want to make it sound like oh this is going to become a modern podcast because it's not but i i would love to get an intro to modern because i've yeah. been heavily invested into the format until like 2016 17 like really really into it and now for the last four or five years i've been super out of it i barely know what 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 i could text anymore i know that hammer is a thing and that's <laughs> that's something i want to do so, so we're getting a true expert on yeah uh, not only a true true modern expert a true magic expert mm. and yeah I'm, I'm super excited for that Me too. Uh, everybody have a great new year matt and callum you too <laughs> goodbye everyone you yeah. as well if you want to follow us you, so you can hit us up on at eternal mtg on twitter and instagram you can find me on at it's julian on twitter as well as it's julian on twitch and callum i think you you started streaming again right i think you you had a stream i did a i did a vintage cube stream um because I'm not very well at the moment, so I was thinking, oh, I'll stream some more over the uh, the holidays. I'm not not feeling very well currently. Not the Rona, I believe, but I'm not 100% sure yet. Waiting for tests to come back. But um, yeah, I'll probably be doing it again in the like kind of work evenings and stuff uh, as we get back cool. to it. So my Twitch is at uh, CallumSmithMTG, and my Twitter is at CallumSmithMTG. I can remember it now because it's the same thing. <laughs> You've been practicing and your name you for like so many times, <laughs> so, for so many years. Yeah. And if you need to get in touch with me, get in touch with Julian, <laughs> and then he'll pass on yeah. the message. You actually, you, you have like an actual Twitter account. That I never check, so... Yeah, but you actually used it just like a couple of months ago when you, you wanted to sell some cards. Like, I'm following you. I see the shit. Well, I mean, I think I was looking for summer forests. So if you have summer forests, get in touch with Julian and then he'll get in touch with me. Am I your agent? What the fuck? <laughs> I guess so. Anyway, shout out, shout outs to our Patreons who for basically, I think two years by now, two years running, have allowed us to to really keep the, 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 the what's it called? The thing where you do something on a regular basis schedule of yeah. this podcast going <laughs> uh especially our eternal witness tiers tommy hinks the Sekula, sebastian holager gm jake and severin schwarzuber and our top tier grizzle brand supporters victor vanatz budgie but scott monroe jeremy gates henrik korkutz tom hepp joel grenahead and paragon games in st louis thanks a lot and see you again next year bye bye goodbye everyone see ya